All right, so this morning we're going to be back in Luke chapter 8. Last week, Pastor Jason talked about the seed, talked about the seed being the word. This morning we're going to talk about dirt, because dirt matters. Dirt matters. It matters what kind of soil you use when you're planting something. When we moved from Albany, New York to Northwest Iowa, I figured out a little bit about soil and how you need to have the right the right combination of clay and sand and silt and nutrients and it needs so much nitrogen and oxygen and all this stuff and and dirt in Northwest Iowa is really, really good. It's really good. I mean, you could drop about anything in that dirt. Now, I don't know, is it the same here as it is up in Sioux County? It's not, is it? I didn't think so. It's like, it's really, really good up there. And some folks in our church, they had this, this space, and they said, hey, if you want to have a garden, you can have a garden. We'll till it all up for you and everything, and just come over, and we'll even help you plant. So we had this garden. It was crazy how much stuff grew in that garden. It was way more. I told my wife, Del Monte, Jolly Green Giant, the frozen food section, that's all fine with me when it comes to vegetables. But no, she wanted to do this garden. So everything grew because the dirt was fantastic. And Jesus talks in this parable about dirt and about soil because dirt matters. So now to set the the context just a little bit, it's not going to be up on the screen. So if you just go back in your Bible, it's just a little bit to Luke chapter 4. Because in the context here, when we're talking about seed, it's, it's important that we understand what Jesus meant when he was throwing around the word seed that the farmer was throwing around. And in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, 16, we're just going back and taking a peek again as Luke laid out the context of Jesus showing up in Nazareth and going to the synagogue and being handed the scroll, and he opens it up, and he reads there, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then with great drama and fanfare, uh, actually no fanfare, but, but, but subdued, muted drama, he rolls up the scroll, he gives it back to the attendant, he sits down, The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus declared himself to be the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah that talked about the Messiah who would come to proclaim good news to the poor and freedom for the captives, sight for the blind. And that's why Jesus went all around, and he's saying, he who, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. At the end of Luke chapter 4, it says this in verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. When they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So Jesus is preaching this good news of the kingdom of God. 
it's not just this very narrow strand of information that might be termed how to get to heaven when you die. That's not all he was talking about. He was talking about how to live now, how to have life, and have life to the full now in this new kingdom that he was bringing and inaugurating. So you get to Luke chapter 8. In the beginning of Luke 8, verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, doing what? Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus was proclaiming. The good news of the kingdom of God. So now you dribble down to verse 4, and it says, Well, a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. And last week, Jason talked about that, this crowd, this huge crowd. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed. In this parable, Jesus is the farmer. He's the farmer who's going out, and he's scattering his seed. And what is his seed? His seed is the good news about the kingdom. This is the seed that Jesus was scattering around. This message, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist went like one, you know, crying in the wilderness, right? He's here, he's here. The Messiah's here. And then Jesus shows up. And he starts throwing out this seed. And he's telling this parable. And later on here in chapter 8, he talks about the parables that he uses so that those who have ears to hear will hear. You know, if if you're at a family gathering... And you've got some outsiders, like Thanksgiving. And, you know, this one invites her boyfriend, and this one invites his girlfriend. They're kind of outsiders. And in the family, you know how to use, like, family talk that only the family understands, right? Right? Like me and my dad, you know, this, uh, this right here, that means something. It's like, that means something, right? It's, it's family talk. Um, Nobody else knew what that meant. If somebody came to our house and, and I went like this, they had no idea. I mean, it's so obvious. Everybody knows what it, in my house anyway, what it means. It means that let's, let's sneak away from the table and let's go play pool. That's what it meant. <laughs> so, you know, Dad would, uh, it started out with a cigar when he used to have cigars. He'd take a cigar and he'd put it and he, he would do this. And so Jesus was telling parables it was it, stories that outsiders who didn't have ears to hear, they're not going to hear. But if you're following Jesus and you have ears to hear, you're looking for, you're, you're wanting the seed, you're wanting the word, you're wanting the teachings of Jesus, you're wanting more news about the kingdom, you would understand these parables. So we get to uh, verse 11. Where so I'm, so now if you're by the way if you're looking at the bulletin the back of the bulletin don't don't look at that it is not true it's not accurate at all I changed everything since I gave that to uh, Kathy so beginning in Luke chapter eight verse eleven I'm I'm overlapping just a little bit with the text from from last week and then we'll go a little bit farther this is the meaning of the parable Jesus says. The seed is the Word of God. Now, is it, is it the 66 books of the Bible? Is that what Jesus meant? No, 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 no. 
What he meant was, it's the word about the kingdom. It's this message, it's this kingdom message, right? That the, that the Messiah is scattering. He's proclaiming this good news about the kingdom. In verse 12, those along the path, they're the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. In the first service, I asked the question, well, why does God let that happen? That's a really good question. A really good question. Why, didn't, why wouldn't their hearts receive that seed? Well, it's just not the way the universe is created, right? When God, when God created us, here's, here's the answer is found somewhere in here. When God created us, he didn't create robots. He did not create robots. He created mankind, humanity, men and women in his image, which part of that image is that we have freedom. We can create and we can choose and we can reject. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. We're not robots. We're not dolls that he programs. We're not software that's programmed. We are created beings. We're, we're people. We can make a choice. So somehow, those who, that along the path are the ones that when they hear, they, they, they don't really care to hear. And then the devil, comes and, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The next one, verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive this word, this good news about the kingdom, with joy when they hear it. But they've no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Now, we don't really understand, but we know that's true. You know that's true. We all know people like this, right? They, they, they seemingly they have this experience with God or experience with his word or experience with a group of other believers and know that they're excited and they're joyful. This is what I've been looking for. I need help in my life. And they get all excited about it, but then it says they have no root. And they believe for a while and see, us, us literal interpreters of the Bible, we have a problem with that. How do you believe for a while, right? Hey, when you believe, when you believe, isn't that faith and isn't that when we connect? Well, Jesus is describing something different here. Yeah, they, they believe. They believe for a while. But when testing comes, they fall away. They fall away. Now, do they fall away from God and the faith? Seems to indicate that. Am I sure? I'm not sure. Maybe they just fall away from that, that interaction with the good news about the kingdom. But they fall away. That's not good, whatever it is. Verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by what? By life's worries riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Well, we all know people like that, people that are all about this life. Well, wait a minute. It might be us. It might be me. I, I was saying to the, in the first service that as I went through this passage this week, I seriously, I mean, I, this did some stuff in my own heart to say what kind of, what kind of dirt's in here? How does God's word embed itself in my heart? 
because I'm, I'm paid to be good. You're all good for nothing. <laughs> See how that works. No, but I heard another pastor talk about this this week on a podcast I listened to. He was saying if he wasn't a pastor, how would he live his life? Because we have to be honest, those of us who are professional pastors, there are some bigger guardrails on the sides of our roads than there are maybe on your road. I mean, our, our whole livelihood, our whole calling, our whole life is, is tied up in this thing about being a pastor. And if you, like, really mess up and disqualify yourself, well, you know, you got to find another job and another identity and another calling. Um, so that's kind, of a, that's kind of a rabbit trail. But as I was looking through this, I really started thinking, if I weren't a pastor, how would God's word fall on my heart? How rich is the soil? How receptive am I? How careful am I listening to God's word? Life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. Maybe, maybe that's something that you're struggling with right now. Life's worries. Does life have enough worries? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sufficient Today are the worries thereof. I think Jesus said something like that in Matthew 6 or 7. We've got all kinds of worries and cares. We've got all kinds of pleasures that are beckoning us to pay for them and experience them. Why? We don't have enough time for all of our vacations, nor enough money for all of our vacations. See, the, the pleasures and the riches and the cares of this world they come in and they choke. What do they choke out? Do they choke out salvation? Not necessarily. They choke out experiencing the kingdom of God, experiencing life in the kingdom, life with the king. This life where Jesus said we can, we can have a love that would cause us to love our enemies. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. They persevere through the same thing, the, the trials, life's, life's pleasures and riches, all those things, they persevere through those things because they retain God's word. And they do what? They produce a crop. Oh. So there's this thing about bearing fruit as being a kingdom person. As being a follower of Jesus, we're actually to be fruitful. Where I grew up as a kid, there, was, there were pear trees across the street, across the road from me. It really wasn't a street. It was a road. And I didn't know they were pear trees the first couple of years I was there. There were horses over in that field. So I didn't, like, go over there because there were big animals over there that I didn't trust. And all of a sudden, I got a little older, and I realized those were pear trees. And the owner of the property said, well, really, just the horses eat them. They eat them off the tree, and they eat them when they fall, but whatever you can pick is, is fine. You can have them. So me and my sisters would go over. We'd get back when grocery bags were actually paper. Some of you remember those paper grocery bags? I, I, I bagged a lot of groceries in my days as a stock boy bagger now. Double bag now so that, so that uh, Gretna doesn't get upset when all of her groceries fall off the bottom. We would fill up bags full of pears, and we'd bring them over to the house. We would eat pears until we had problems, okay? <laughs> and those trees were fruitful. But if you had a pear tree, and there's no pears growing on it, the, 
it's not really, might as well not even be a pear tree. Might as well just be a tree, right, with no pears. There was, a, there was another tree just down the road. My buddy and I used to climb up, and it was, a, it was a cherry tree alongside of a barn. And we used to climb up, and we could literally sit in the branches and eat cherries and spit the pits out on the, on the cars that drove by. We were over top of them. But we loved those trees. Why? Because they were fruitful. And Jesus here is talking about being fruitful, about actually producing something. A soil, the soil of our life where the, the good news of the kingdom takes root and actually produces life change. It produces something. Characteristics of the good soil, just in, in summary of that last one, honest and good heart, holding fast to the word, retaining it, that persistent faith through the struggles, and then patience, persevering in God's hope and God's promise. Now, he goes at just a couple more verses in this passage. He says in verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. No, they don't. We don't, we don't light a lamp and buy a lampshade that completely covers the light. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. He's talking about his teaching here. He's talking about his teaching the, the good news about the kingdom being teaching and being light that brings light and life to people. He said, uh, Matthew talks about this. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you, and he says this like a dozen times, you've heard that it was said, but unfortunately religion is shrouding it from you. So you're hearing this commandment, but religion is shrouding the meaning. So let me tell you what it means. You heard that it was said, thou shalt not kill. But I say to you that if you hate your brother, you're guilty of breaking this command. Oh, that's a different meaning. So Jesus is revealing and bringing things into the light. Verse 18. Now before I read verse 18, in in the verses we just read, it talks about those along the path are the ones who hear. Those on the rocky soil are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. The good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear. So then he says in verse 18, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. The Pharisees thought they had a lot. They didn't have, and even that would be taken. This false notion that they have some relationship with God. Jesus is giving out this new message, this message of the kingdom. And if you have ears to hear, more will be given to you. He says in the very last part of this passage, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, hey, your mom and your bros are standing outside waiting, wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who, what? Hear God's word and put it into practice. My mother and brothers, my family, my family, my relationships are those who have the, the heart, the inside, the good soil that the word of God, the message of the kingdom comes in and then they actually they actually put it into practice, and they produce a crop. 
So my question for you this morning is, which type of soil has your life represented generally? In this teaching, the, the preponderance of interpretation here is that this teaching represents four different ways that a person would interact with, with the gospel, with the, the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, not, not four different ways somebody might respond to the Word of God as they read it day by day, but in general, there's four kinds of people. I'm wondering, what kind of person are you? And, and why? I, I don't know the answer to the, this why. When I was, as I was preparing this, I, I had this memory that I've never thought before. Oh, man, I haven't thought about this in decades. And I've never connected the dots on this. But when I was, it was 1970, and we would go to my grandparents' house. They had a two-story, little two-story house in Rochester, New York. And we would go to visit, and they had this room upstairs in the second floor where they had games and stuff and a little, like, uh, a card table with some stuff up there. And me and my sister would go up there and, and play, and there were these neighbor kids that would come over. And I remember the neighbor kids taught us how to speak to the dead and how to get answers from spirits. And I remember being up there, and we were around this card table. And I, I won't describe what it was because it's, it's yucky and it's not necessary. Well, we, we would do these things to hear from, the, hear from the spirits. We'd ask them questions and see if they would give us answers. And that's really weird, right? I'm seven years old. I remember that. But in that same room, there was a closet. And looking through, being nosy, looking through the closet one day, I found this big book, and it was, long story short, it was a Bible, a big ornate Bible, one of, these, one of these real nice Catholic Bibles. You open it up, and it's got special pages that are all four-color glossy and ornate artwork and everything, and one of the pages was the Ten Commandments. I remember reading these things like, I'd never seen this stuff before. I'd never read this stuff before. I didn't, there were Ten Commandments. Okay, so if there are Ten Commandments, they're probably ten important things. So I remember as a kid reading these things. I remember seeing a page, all the miracles of Jesus, and they were all listed. All the parables of Jesus, and they were all listed. In the same room, there was this battle going on, right? Between darkness and light. Why did the Word of God take root in my heart? I don't know the answer. I wish I knew. I'm glad it did. Was it just because I said yes, because I was open? I don't know. I seem to be pretty willing to be errant, you know, years after that. But, but somehow it took root. And I'm wondering, in your life, when you look back over your life, how's God's Word taken root in you, or has it? And if it hasn't, if you've been like the the rocky soil where you kind of got excited about God once way back when, but then you, uh, it just kind of faded away because it never really took root and stuff, stuff happened in your life. I wonder if those kinds of people, if they can just decide, wait, I'm open now. God, I'm open now. I've, I've had enough experience in this life that I am open now to receiving you into my life. I, I'm, I'm tired of driving the car. I'll just be more than happy to move over to the passenger side and let you drive this thing. I, I got good soil now, God. I, I want you in my life. And I wonder if the, the person that's got the, the thorny soil and 
They're interacting with God. They have a relationship with God, but all the cares of this world, their money, their pleasure, life, all this life stuff has just kind of choked out their relationship with God, their, their life in the kingdom. is an opportunity now maybe to say, I'm, I'm going I'm to turn over a new leaf. I, I've got good soil now. I, I just want to get rid of all these things that are just crowding God out, and I want God in my life now. So I have two questions. What do you need to say to God today? And, and what is your response to Jesus' words? We're one of those four kinds of people. And he's spreading the seed saying, I'm the Messiah. And then he died on the cross for our sins. And he said he did it for us. He said, if you believe in me, you'll have everlasting life. So I just want to invite you this morning. I want to invite you to come to Jesus, to declare that today the soil's been turned over and over and over, and it's ready. It's ready for the Word of God to take root now. Maybe you're just tired of battling and fighting. You're just tired of the fight, and you would just like to just hand the wheel over to God and say, God, you drive this crazy car of my life. I want to invite you to do that. Because God says, be careful how you hear. Be, pay, pay a lot of attention to how you hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's all throughout the New Testament. If you have ears to hear God's word this morning, and you have a heart that wants to say yes to God, I just invite you to do that this morning as we pray. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you didn't stay in that one town, but you said, no, I can't stay. I have to keep declaring and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Lord, this morning I declare that news over all of us. We read your words, Lord Jesus. And I pray that if there are some here this morning, God, who've just, the cares of this world, whatever, Lord, has just just choked out their relationship with you, that you would kindle a new relationship in their heart, that you would take the good news of the gospel, that you desire a relationship with us, that whoever would call on the name of the Lord would be saved, that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that, that you showed your love in this, that while we were still sinners, you would die for our sins. If this morning you just want to just commit yourself to Jesus Christ and ask him to take his good news and plant it deep in your heart, you could pray something like, Lord Jesus, I, I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of the rat race. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the struggle. I invite you to take over my life. I admit that I'm a sinner. I know that. You know that. But I invite you to forgive my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take over my life. I submit myself to you as as good soil. And I pray that you would 
save me. Come into my life. Make me yours. Lord Jesus, I know that there are so many this morning who are struggling in life. I know there are pain. There's a lot of pain, plenty of pain to go around. God, I pray that you would meet us through your mercy and your grace. That you would show us your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's going to be some folks up here that would be happy to pray with you. And uh, as we close, uh, they're going to remain up here and they would be happy to pray with you. Uh, And we're here all week. We'll be here all week. If you have questions, you've got issues in your life, you just need help with, let us know. There's a lot of us pastors around here. We're all good for different stuff. So take advantage of it. Thank you.